the idea of having healthcare deserving of a 4.9 Google rating for less than my annual deductible was just unfathomable to me. But when I talk to colleagues who are working in direct primary care, they are strangely optimistic. They are strangely excited to go to work on Monday. They are strangely in love with their patients. Like it's all just a really, really nice dynamic. It's reminiscent of, you know, something I heard my grandmother talk about when she talked about you know, going to see the the neighborhood doctor. I am all about innovative solutions that encourage autonomy and transparency and more choices and better choices for patients, for providers, for all of us. And I think that direct primary care is just winning across the board. Welcome to Scrubs and Squats, the podcast where we discuss health and health policy so that you're better prepared to make the decisions that will give you more power over your business, your career, and your life. I'm your host, Tiffany Ryder, professional athlete turned emergency medicine physician associate, health consultant, and benefit strategist. I have nothing to sell you and just ask that if you like what we're doing here, you review this episode and subscribe. Real quick, before we get started, I have to remind you that although I'm a licensed healthcare professional, my ramblings here are just opinions and information and should never be taken as medical advice or as the official views of any affiliated organizations. I believe that primary care providers are the real superheroes and you should check with yours for personalized guidance. All right, on to today's episode. Hey everyone, Tiffany Ryder here with Scrubs and Squats podcast. I just wanted to pop in today and wish everyone a happy upcoming 4th of July and take the opportunity to discuss a really important topic that I've been looking to address for some time. As I was reflecting over this past weekend on the upcoming holiday and taking time to really consider my values and what I think it means to live a free and independent and autonomous life, it became more clear that Today was really the day, and now was really the time to dive into this topic. So I want to discuss direct primary care and its relationship to access to care and to solving some of these big problems that we have in healthcare. As a clinician and as a human, I am acutely aware of the relationship that access to healthcare has to one's ability to pursue dreams, professional personal, family. And we throw around this concept and this phrase of access to care a lot. And access to healthcare really means different things to different people. And for me, in order for me to feel personally like I have access to healthcare, I need to know how much it's going to cost. I need to know that it is going to be affordable for me. And I need to know that the actual pursuit of care, the actual getting of the care is going to be convenient enough that I can fit it into my life. So you know, the idea of going into Whole Foods and filling the basket with things that I need and Whole Foods telling me, hey, 
don't worry about it. You can take these things home with you today and we'll send you a bill. And I say, well, how much does that cost? And they say, well, sometimes it's $20, but other times it's $2,000 or $20,000. But don't worry about it. I'll send you a bill and I'll let you know how much it costs. Um, Just the idea of that feels predatory and makes me feel anxious and taken advantage of and disrespected. And, you know, it's interesting because when we think about doing something like that at the grocery store, no one would consent to this. But essentially, this is what we consent to in healthcare on a regular basis and not just in the emergency room where I am, but also in more routine matters. So that's something that personally I have trouble reconciling. I think the second piece of it is the affordability, which is a little different. So if Whole Foods says, yes, you can get everything on this list and it's going to cost $20, then I can say, okay, well, $20 is within the realm of what I can pay for these items and it fits within my budget. And yes, I would like to move forward with that. So that would be affordable, clearly. But, you know, if they said that those same items cost $20,000, then it really doesn't matter if it's transparent because essentially it's just not affordable. And then convenience is a whole different piece. As a working mother, I have lots of issues with things that require me to consistently take off work in order to do life in a reasonable manner. I feel like convenience and customer service and ways of doing business that make sense are something that I highly value because I love working and I love taking care of myself and I love taking care of my kids. And I would like to be able to do all of these things without having to quit my job. So convenience is a huge factor. So going to a traditional primary care, in my experience, does not really encompass a transaction that feels transparent and affordable and convenient. And my experience with direct primary care has been just the opposite. Essentially, what I found is that for less than it costs for my cell phone bill, I have access to healthcare that feels respectful and transparent and accessible and convenient and fits into my life in a way that doesn't discourage me from getting care. So hopefully that provides some insight into why I'm so excited about talking about direct primary care. And and I just want to share my personal experience of how I happened upon this area of medicine and what I love about it. And if you are sitting there thinking, she still hasn't told me what direct primary care is. I just want to know what we're talking about. We're going to start there. All right. So what even is direct primary care and how does it differ from when I go to my normal primary care or family physician? Um, So the main difference is the way that the provider gets paid. In a traditional system, you come into the office, you make an appointment, you see the doctor, the NP, the PA. Um, We see you, we evaluate you. Maybe there's a procedure that's done. And then the clinician writes a note. And in that note, it talks about what happened during the visit. The note goes over to the billing department, who then looks at that visit, 
and determines what amount they are going to charge for that service, depending on what happened there. And then the bill is either sent to the insurance company for payment or to the patient themselves for payment. In a direct primary care situation, it is not about the number of visits and whether I show up to the doctor's office or how many times I show up to the office. It's about a number that I have agreed to pay to be taken care of by this office. So just to use a concrete example, let's say I went to my primary care for evaluation because I'm having a lot of anxiety at work. The provider says, well, you know, it sounds like you're drinking 16 cups of coffee a day. Why don't we take that down and then you can come back in in a couple of weeks and we'll check in and see how you're doing. And so then the second week of the month comes along and I, I don't know, slip and hurt my ankle outside while I'm walking. So I come into the office. I want to be evaluated, see if I have a sprain or a break or what that is. That's my second visit. Then third week comes around and it's time for me to follow up regarding my anxiety. So I come in and I say, I'm only drinking three cups of coffee and everything is fine. So those three visits in a traditional primary care situation are looked at as three separate incidents. They are written up and billed accordingly. In a direct primary care situation, it really doesn't matter if I never went into the office or if I literally went every day, every week, I'm paying the same amount. So that is essentially the difference in models. So I want to share what my experience was with primary care and how I actually ended up finding out about direct primary care, because I really think that that story is something that a lot of you can probably relate to. I was working full time and didn't really need to go to the doctor that often. Occasionally, I would need some medical clearance paperwork filled out or something like that, but essentially just had a primary care so that I was a patient on record somewhere. And if something urgent came up, I would have somewhere to go. I was not particularly impressed with the way that the healthcare system worked and the amount of time I had to wait in the office and all of this. But, you know, it's par for the course. This is what we've all sort of been conditioned to put up with. And I said, well, this is fine. My primary care office was having trouble making ends meet. And they had decided that they were going to switch to a concierge medicine model. And I really hadn't had any personal experience with that other than having heard that it was expensive. And when they pushed this out, they said, look, we're no longer going to be accepting insurance. We just can't sustain this any longer. And they had sent out their billing price. And I don't remember exactly how much it was, but it was thousands and thousands of dollars. It was more than my deductible. It was a significant amount. So I said, well, let me see what else is out there. So I went to Google and looked at the rating scores for different primary cares, looking for anything greater than a two in my area. And unfortunately, was not really finding a whole lot. And there was one office who had like a rating. It was like 
4.8, 4.9. It was just outstanding leaps and bounds above every single other office in my city. So I said, wow, like this is something to check out. Wonder what they're about. So I contacted the office, found out they had a much lower price than what my primary care had quoted me for their transition. Um, but it was still this concept of paying for my primary care when I'm already paying for insurance just didn't make any sense to me. So I said, eh, not really interested and decided to just kick the can and, and deal with that decision later. At the same time in my professional life, I was in a place where I had applied to PA school and was looking to transition to full-time graduate school for several years and actually got my acceptance paperwork and discussed with my company that I was going to be leaving. And it wasn't until I was actually in orientation for PA school and was looking at you know, the health insurance plan that I was going to be joining and what the deductible is that it really occurred to me to do the math on this 4.9 Google rating PCP that I had explored. When I did the math, it was about $50 a month at the time that they were asking for. And when I looked at that and saw that that was below my deductible, thought about my personal situation and how often I met the doctor and what I might actually need to go for, and it really made sense to try it. And just the idea of having healthcare deserving of a 4.9 Google rating for less than my annual deductible was just unfathomable to me. And as someone who was going into the healthcare industry, I just had to know. So I signed up for the subscription and was impressed. From early on, the difference was clear to me. I walked in the office, I was greeted with respect and there were no people in the waiting room because people don't wait at direct primary care. I had to go and get paperwork filled out, clearances for school and updated immunizations and, you know, all sorts of things that would normally have just been an administrative nightmare, even if they hadn't cost me a ton of money out of pocket. And I found that every interaction that I was having was just so much easier. So I ended up sticking with this direct primary care. I have now been a member for years and years, and I have saved so much money by paying for my own care. For me, working in the emergency department, I work on an hourly basis, and so I don't get paid if I don't go to work. And if I don't go to work, it's not like my company can just do without me. They have to call someone in to cover my position for the day. And so I have had several times when I'm on my way to a shift and I realize that I really need medical care that I didn't need yesterday. It's just an acute problem. And I've been able to call my direct primary care. And because I have a good relationship with them, because I can text them, because everything is just easy. I've been able to get, you know, an antibiotic that I needed uh, prior to my shift and not have to miss work. I've been able to get sports paperwork for my child without having to miss work. It's just been a life-changing experience for me. 
the more that I've had to interact with direct primary care practices and the more that I've spoken to other PAs, NPs, DOs, and MDs who are opening these practices and working in these practices and reshaping the system in a way that takes care of our patients, it's just become something that I can't shut up about and I just want to talk about. So I think there are things that really are different about this that allow it to be such an awesome experience for patients. So I want to go through a couple of the things that I think set up direct primary care for success. The first thing is the numbers of the patient census, which is our fancy way of saying how many patients are assigned to you and your practice are you responsible for providing care for. And in direct primary care, those numbers are significantly less. I generally hear people saying that they're responsible for 300, 600, maybe 900 patients at the most per clinician, as opposed to know, your traditional primary care practice, which you're required to take care of about 2,500 people is the average. If you're in primary care and you have a full schedule of patients, uh, but you also have things like labs that have come in and people who are sick but aren't sure that they need an appointment or not. You have messages, you have questions, you have your portal, you have your email, you have voicemails. Like, There are a lot of additional things other than just your appointments. And if you're needing to respond to all of those concerns for 2,500 patients, you're obviously going to have less bandwidth than the person who is doing all of that for, let's say, 1,250, right? Half of the patients, they're going to have twice as much time. And it's something that... I don't know that we really consider when we're sitting in the waiting room for four hours and are frustrated and feeling disrespected and neglected, but I think that it's a function of when there are too many patients that a clinician is responsible for, this is exactly what you should expect to happen, right? That is the expected output. So direct primary care is saying, well, if we expect poor patient care with 2,500 patients, how much do we need to reduce that so that we can actually provide good care? So that's a big difference. So the number of patients that the direct primary care is responsible for. Number two, and this is just my opinion, but I think the other thing that makes a huge difference is who the direct payer is. So we are the payer, right? As taxpayers, as employees, as employers, we are paying for healthcare, period. But the difference is, am I paying you directly for healthcare in a transparent situation where you are saying for $50 a month, you will take care of me and I say, okay. Or am I handing money to someone else who then decides the value of the service that I'm getting and then pays based on a value equation that they are determining. When the insurance company gets to determine the rules and what is appropriate, that changes the dynamics. The insurance company becomes the customer, right? That's a problem. I want my physician, I want my nurse practitioner, I want my PA taking care of my health and providing me with something that serves me 
direct primary care looks at who their customer is in a different way than traditional primary care. I am not in any way saying that traditional primary care does not care about their patients or they only care about pleasing the insurance company or what have you, right? But when you require a relationship to work in a certain way in order to keep the lights on and continue to serve your patients, then you have to play by that person's rules. And the insurance companies come up with pre-authorizations or they come up with different ways that things need to be coded or different ways that the notes need to be written or different rules that result in a variety of reimbursements. And when a clinician has to spend time and energy figuring out what those rules are so that they can receive appropriate payment for the service that they provided, that absolutely changes the dynamic. So I love that direct primary care puts clinicians in a place where they can determine their value alongside their patients, and then they just focus on providing care. So when I talk to colleagues who are working in direct primary care, they are strangely optimistic. They are strangely excited to go to work on Monday. They are strangely in love with their patients. Like it's all just a really, really nice dynamic that appears to shield from burnout and lead to a healthcare system that is reminiscent of, you know, something I heard my grandmother talk about when she talked about going to see the, the neighborhood doctor. So that's something that is really exciting and really nice, and it's attainable. And then the last point that I just want to make is that I mentioned this earlier, but for me, direct primary care saves me money on a regular basis. So if I had to go to my traditional primary care practice, I am losing time away from work. I am delaying care because it's such a racket. I am sometimes getting surprise bills for different things that I didn't even know about. Um, I'm paying co-payments. I am paying full price, 100% sticker price, whatever that sticker price is, until my deductibles filled. And so for me, financially, it makes sense. Primary care is offering such a service in managing chronic disease, in managing preventative health care, in providing behavioral health resources and treatment, and helping patients to navigate the system. And I think it's unfair for us to ask a primary care to do all of those things in the 10 minutes that they have for the 2,500 patients that they're responsible for. And I think it really just sets everyone up for failure. It sets the patients up for getting poor care, for getting um, less quality of care than they deserve, not based on merit, not based on the clinician's ability, but based on the clinician's ability as filtered through having too many things on their plate that can possibly be done by any human being in one day. And I just love that direct primary care has found a way to really align everyone's interests, to align the patient's interest with the clinician's interest 
with the employer's interest, right? Some employers are now paying for direct primary care for their employees because it lowers their health care costs and it creates an environment where their employees feel respected and loyal and are healthy and feel comfortable going to work. And I think all of those things are just invaluable, but I bet we could put a price on it. So anyway, that is all I have to say. I am all about innovative solutions that encourage autonomy and transparency and more choices and better choices for patients, for providers, for all of us. And I think that direct primary care is just like winning across the board in this pursuit. Thanks so much. Enjoy your weekend. Don't eat too much pie. And I'll see you next week. All right, that is it for today's episode of Scrubs and Squats. I hope you enjoyed. And if you did, please like, review, and subscribe. And we will see you next week.